Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. La, 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 la. The Inner Wealth Podcast. La, la, la. la. The Inner Wealth Podcast. La, la, la. la. The Inner Wealth Podcast. I can make you know what day it is. Inner Wealth Podcast. Meditate and give. So manifest the greater this And things all good cause I say it is Investing in the wealth Real generational wealth is mental health It's an inside game, no toxicity Let's talk and more listening Ladies and gentlemen And now introducing David McCullough Founder of Inception The first mental health gym Inner Wealth Podcast Inner Wealth Podcast La la la, inner wealth podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Inner Wealth Podcast. Got a very special guest in the building, uh, my mom, who's actually the COO and co-founder of Inception. Hey, ma, what up, though? Hey, up, what up, though? <laughs> <laughs> so I um I went to an event last week, and I spent about pretty much the whole time at that event describing um, fight, flight, freeze and the defense patterns and mechanisms to a young lady. And I think that was very powerful for her to hear and, and listen to. And I thought that, you know, I want to bring you back on and I want to really dive deeper into our defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um you know, typically people categorize Inception as the first mental health gym. We categorize it as that in and, and the, and the show as the uh, as a mental health show. Why, why is mental health so mental? Because it's very important as a part of our being. We have a physical part and a psychological part. Right. And so that's why I asked that question. Why is it so mental? You said we have a a mental part? Psychological part uh-huh. and a physical part. Right, but nobody ever really talks about the physical part. Everybody, when you think about mental, if you're going to always point at your head, you're going to always thinking about cognitive. Mm-hmm. But when I went to a brain state those years ago, I found out that it wasn't so much about mental and how everyday person thinks about it. It's the brain and the body, the physiology that's really um, keeping us in these states of protection. So we talk about um, Stephen Porges. You're familiar with Stephen Porges' work, right? The yes. polyvagal theory? 
Because yes. you learned that, and you, you were you were working with that with uh, Dr. David Berselli, right? Yes, that's parts of it. Um, so we're gonna break down. We're gonna break down um, those patterns: uh, fight, flight, freeze, and what that actually is, what it means, what it does to you, um, and even some ways to start to regulate from them. Okay. So first, let's talk about. Um, Let's talk about going into fight or flight. Let's specifically, let's talk about in childhood because I think that's where it's going to be very important for you to kind of start talking about like, um, you know, how when we start going into these patterns at a young age, that how that impacts our development. So how did you how did you see that in school, in a school setting? I saw that a lot in a school setting. I saw that there was a lot of neglect and uh, some abuse, and how it affected children cognitively in school. They weren't able to uh, read. uh, In some of the more impoverished areas, children uh, had to repeat like the third grade three and four times. And one case in particular, this one uh, little boy, he had witnessed... um, a drug raid in his home, mm. and he was he went underneath the bed. I think his father told him that would be the place that he would hide in case of an incident such as that. And so he was under the bed, and he heard a lot of what was going on. He heard the toilet flushing. He heard glass breaking. He heard a lot of commotion um, where when they come in with a drug raid, they just take over the home. And so when I worked with him, because he had go- was going on his third time of, being, of repeating the third grade, you know, I realized that trauma had seized his brain and he was stuck there. And so when I uh, went through some trauma exercises with, with him about what he heard, what he saw, what did he smell, what kind of day it was— the one thing that came out for him was that he remembered the toilet flushing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were several bathroom breaks throughout the day. And so every time the toilet flushed, that triggered him, his body, mm-hmm. his cognitive abilities, went back to that place where he remembers being so frightened underneath the bed and hearing the toilet flush. So he would literally go to the bathroom, get triggered, and then be kind of like in a canatotic state mm-hmm. in the classroom where he couldn't he couldn't um, be receptive or be present. He mm-hmm. was still present back underneath that bed. Right. So his brain pattern was stuck there. And um, I didn't have trauma release exercises back then, unfortunately. Mm. It was more talk, which can re-traumatize you. Yeah. So we did some uh, drawing out of it and just trying to get a better understanding and some desensitization, desensitizing of him going to the bathroom. Something as basic as that can seize a person's body, brain, mind up for years. Yeah. Well, and we're going to use that story because that's a good, that's a good story to, to, 
to base everything off of to be able to explain. So we talked about uh, the brain. We talked about going into fight, flight, freeze. Mm -hmm. He went into a freeze. Yes. And so he has a uh, Stephen Porges. Uh, there's there's charts and everything on the Internet. You can pull up and you can start seeing uh, different patterns that we go through mm -hmm. um, when we talk about the fight, flight, freeze and how he's broken it down. He has broken it down, not just through flight, flight, freeze, but he calls uh, one one the pattern that we're typically in when we're um, more regulated mm -hmm. is ventrovagal. You've heard of that? No. That's that's what he calls that, ventral vagal, the social engagement. So we're in social engagement. We're, um, we're open. Um, we're more settled and grounded, and we're not threat to each other. We okay. don't feel a, We don't feel threatening to each other. And you can feel that when you go talk to certain people if they're in ventral right. vagal, first of all. Yes. And you're in ventral, ventral vagal. That's why you, we talked about it last week. Certain people you get around, you you feel good around because right. that's safety. Yes. That's all we're talking about is lack of safety when we talk about these patterns. Yes. So ventral vagal, social engagement. And then you start going into the things like mobilization, which is fight flight. You're going to get out of dodge and run, right? Or you're going to fight. Hmm? Or you're going to fight. Or you're going to fight. Um, and what happens when we go into those patterns is, one, your blood pressure is going to go up, heart rate, uh, your adrenaline. For forever, me and my dad will see so many people with the with their pupils dilated because right. the pupils are, are mm -hmm. bigger because they try and take in more information. Um, um, that's why too I talk about as we people always ask about things like nutrition, mm -hmm. and but my always thought process is if you're in fight, flight, or mobilization, then one thing that happens in that pattern is digestion shuts down. Right. So you can be eating all the clean foods you want. You're not absorbing, is, exactly. absorbing the same. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when you're going to a fight, flight response. And then that's called mobilization. And then a, then a last-ditch effort, which is dorsal vagal, which is that's the freeze response. That's and one. I think of that as there's a predator at my door and I need to play dead. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, you don't need to kill me. I'm already dead. Right. I hit a fly once at Inception and then, um, I hit it. I uh -huh. swatted at it. And it played dead. It played dead. I know flies do that, don't they? I they scoop, trick you. I scooped them up, put them outside, yeah. and next you know, as soon as I closed the door, it flew, it flew away. away. I did that with a spider in Inception. I was like, I'm going to get you. It was <laughs> in the corner. And it withdrew its little arms or whatever they mm -hmm. are. And I'm like, you're, it, 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 it rolled up. Mm. And I was like, you're dead. And then I looked away and it had left. It was gone. It was gone. Because that's a defense right. mechanism. And that's, we have that same defense mechanism as well. Um, but some of the things that happen when you go into freeze response is um, your, your your breath changes, um, eye contact, facial yeah. expressions, um, your attunement to human voice, uh, obviously heart rate and blood pressure changes as well too, um, immune, res immune response changes as well. Um, and again, that's the immobilization of fear. 
That's, yeah. I cannot fight. I remember uh, I watching this run. movie where um, uh, a man was, um, he had count, encountered someone that would uh, was wanted to kill him. And so the man came into the room with the gun. And so the other man, um, he sat down on the floor and he became very, very, very still, almost as if you couldn't see him breathing. And mm. he just like went totally within himself. And I guess he thought, well, if you're going to kill me, I'm not going to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to freeze out and numb out and I'm not going to even feel it. And so what happened was the perpetrator left. Yeah. It's like energetically, energetically is something about that too. Where, because yes. even animals in the wild, when um, a gazelle may do that from a lion, a lion mm-hmm. is like, man, ah, it's dead. It's no fun. The dead, the lion wants to struggle. Yeah, it wants to grab onto yeah. something and know that it killed its. Food. I am a lion. Right, not uh, just walk by some dead yeah. meat. Now, if it was a hyena or something, then you may <laughs> you may be <laughs> dead. But. Um, so, and all these patterns that we're talking about within the polyvagal theory, and um, and you know, because you read um Lee Lee Gertis's book, he talks about it more from the the gas foot on the gas foot yes. on the brake analogy, mm-hmm. you know, and those those are both very similar, you know, mobilization immobilization, and some people are stuck within foot on the gas immobilization, get out of dodge, fights, flee. And some people are stuck with their foot on the of the brake, or a combination, or or a combination of because them. you know so many times we we hear about people that are anxious and depressed, so they mm-hmm. anti depressions, which is like um, medication that is supposed to address both anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So throughout the day, you may be going with your foot on the gas and your foot on pedal mm-hmm. on the brake. Yeah. But some people, uh, their motor operata is anxiety. It's yeah. chronic, chronic anxiety. And we talked about it being like a program running in the background of your mind. Like if you think of a computer with a virus and how you have the anxiety program always there. And for some people, that are in freeze, they are, their foot is always on the brake and they are very lethargic Mm -hmm. throughout the day. You -hmm. know, their energy is very low. And, um, you know, you and I both pick up on both. Mm -hmm. What would you say? um, Well, I would say the majority of the people I've seen, they're in um, fight or flight. Our people come into inception. Yes. Yeah, a lot of the black people coming in are typically in fight or flight. I've seen some freeze people, but when you have people, when you have a lot of people who are flying from out of state and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, typically a freeze person is going to have a harder time right. getting their self their cells together to go. I mean, because because exactly. there's there's because even as we describe these layers and levels. There's depth within those layers and levels. Absolutely. It's not just, oh, you just fight or flight. Oh, you just freeze. It's right. like you can be very deep down into freeze. Like these yes. people who go and commit mass suicide, uh, mad, mass murders and stuff like that, 
when they say, oh, that's a mental health issue, it is a mental health issue, first of all. Um, it's a physiological mental health issue, yes. but it is one. And they're they're deep into freeze because they can't feel anything. And that is why we have cutters. Yep. People that cut. They want to feel something. Mm-hmm. You know, their anger is so embedded inside of them. They want to have some type of feeling, so they self-harm. Yeah. And, and when you start looking at, I, I believe that when we talk about behavior, mm-hmm. like behavior, you can look at it from the cognitive standpoint. But then when you start looking at it from the nervous system standpoint, you start to see a lot more behavior patterns. From from my standpoint, I mean, I'm not a um a licensed therapist or anything, but just from observing human human behavior, I see all of our behavior is highly connected to our our nervous system. It's about whether I'm too low, freeze, and I want to come up, or I'm too high, mobilization. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And I want to come down. Or if I like being very immobilized and I want to stay up there or when I want to go further up there or if I'm very stuck in freeze and I want to go deeper into it, you still may choose a drug or something of that nature to drive you further into it. But when you look at society and what we're trying to do, we're trying to modulate our nervous systems all the time, all the time. With external things, Mm -hmm. such as energy drinks, caffeine, Mm. Mm. sugar, alcohol, Mm -hmm. marijuana, Mm -hmm. sex, Mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. Buying, shopping. Shopping. Mm -hmm. Right. All of those things, we're trying to balance ourselves out, and it's not working. And all of those things is still just one thing. You can just group them all into one thing. All of it is stimulus. Right. It's just what's the cocktail of stimulus is going to help me to balance myself internally. And that's the message that we preach so much at Inception is that, one, you're you're trying to balance yourself out. You're trying to self-soothe. You're trying to find peace within yourself. And so we heard that forever, peace within myself, those little statements. And now we're like, no, scientifically, there's there's some processes you can use right. and, uh, that to can find peace within by balancing your nervous system. 
Exactly. One thing I did this morning was meditate. You did what? I meditated. Okay. And meditating is a form of what? Going into silence for me and finding peace. Right. But what does that do? It, on a on a on uh, a physiological level, it calms my central nervous system. Yeah, and we are trying to get to the same thing. It don't matter what people try and do, yoga, whatever. You're trying to find more of a a flow within the system. And if you don't have a proper balance of flow within your system, then you're gonna be you're gonna feel a certain way. Right. So that go back to that kid. We used him as a um as the uh the jump off point into these patterns, mm-hmm. when he heard those noises, it threw him back into to freeze. And all that, again, what we're talking about is instinctual. You don't even choose it in exactly. terms of your, your defense mechanisms. Yeah. On the one hand, it's a wonderful thing that we have that ability. Mm-hmm. But then, again, if we stay in that state, then it's a destri- detriment to us. Physically and emotionally. So when you started learning this information and you start, and when you're in the school system, when you were in the school system, Mm -hmm. how did that change how you viewed the kids? Oh, I had a great deal of empathy for them. And I knew exactly from a physiological standpoint where they were coming from. For example, when someone was... um, in a state of um, operating from the base of the brain, the reptilian brain, and we would um, provide a safe room for them. You know from your experience and your knowledge what that student needs to do. Mm-hmm. They, need, they need to move from that part of the brain to the neocortex, and that may take a few minutes. It's no reasoning with them at that point. I was at a seminar one time, and um, the presenter uh, told a story of her in, uh, someone um, encountering someone with a gun, and they approached that person aggressively, and that person was shot. So, Wait, say that, so that story. They approach who aggressively? They approached the person with the gun, the student with the gun. Aggressively? Yes, they went well, after them. Well, why would that them. make sense? Because then they started operating from the reptilian brain. Mm. And I'm, I'm saying that to say that when I encountered a student that was operating from that part of the brain, say, for example, a kindergartner who um, was suffering from separation anxiety and they start kicking and screaming and they didn't want their mother to leave. So we would put them in a room and uh, we would provide a safe presence for them, meaning that we would be there with them, and with all my experience and knowledge, I would emulate peace and have positive eye contact with them when they allow themselves to look at me, and I would just say, you're safe, we're going to be okay. And that student would maybe, we would try to remove as much as we could from the table or whatever, but... They may knock things off the table. They may jump up and scream. And I would say, it's okay. Do what you need to do. These are the boundaries. And I would say, no hitting. You know, me. You know, these are some things you can use if you need to jump up and hit something. We may have some Nerf balls or something in there. Mm -hmm. 
And we, uh, to make a long story short, we would just allow them to come down from that part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Anybody else would just re- would respond from their reptilian brain. It's like two snakes coming yeah. at each other. And when you're when you have that type of experience, you you know you say this is person is operating from this part of the brain, and this is what I need to do to help them. And sure enough, they're going to burn out you know, after about 20 minutes or, or more, and they're going to shift, and you're going to see that shift. And when you see that shift, you take that opportunity to say, are you ready? I have this game here. Are you ready to play this game? Because then I am using the game to shift them to the neocortex mm. of reason. It could be the uh, whatever game we had, you know, something... They had to move something to mm-hmm. shift them their brain back. Right. As soon as they did that, they would say, Miss McCullough, I'm good now. I'm fine. And I say, you sure? And they would shake my hand, and I give them a puppet to hug. And they would say, I can go to class now. How old were these kids? From five to maybe... Eight. Okay, because when you say give them puppets to hug, I'm thinking yeah, because high you know hugging puppets. No, no, no. In school, like, you know, no. Okay. High, uh, let me back up. Everybody wants a hug, hmm. and you know you have to be careful with that when you're working in the school system with touching students. Hmm. Right. So I have puppets. Okay. And everybody loved the puppets. Even the high schoolers loved the puppets. Oh, really? Yeah, they want they want a hug. So that story again, that you can that's a lot of good framework because we talked about you said a lot of good things in there. One, we talked about how I explained the first pattern that we that we like to be in, which mm-hmm. is ventral, social engagement. Mm-hmm. And all that represents that safety. Right. When people are in these patterns, which mass majority of society are in these patterns, when there's a lack of safety. It, this doesn't gonna help you bring you, bring you there, but safety. That is a wonderful point because that is where we start with safe. We have to feel safe first. Mm-hmm. And so when I would take a kid in a room, the, the main thing I'm saying is, you are safe. You're safe here with me. Mm-hmm. You're safe to be who you need to be right now, and that may be acting like a wild animal. Mm-hmm. You know, but they could hear you and say and think, well, she said I could be safe. I'm safe and I'm here, but there's still boundaries. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go jump out the window, mm-hmm. you know, I, and that's part of your safety, too. I'm here to keep you safe mm-hmm. from yourself if necessary. All right. You know, from me and from yourself. Mm-hmm. So. uh it's very interesting to see a student go from that part of operating from that part of the brain back up to the neocortex. It's amazing. And so we'd walk out the office and they would say, the principal would say, what did you do to them? Nothing but provide a safe environment. Mm. So then, like you said, they wanted to go back to their community, their classroom, to be social. They were ready. Mm-hmm. Now, the amazing thing is, too, for the older students, 
we would teach them. This is the part of the brain that you're operating from when you act like that. You know, when you're when you're feeling out of control, when you start to feel, you know, um, things move around inside of you, you're, you're breathing heavier, it's faster. Mm-hmm. You know, those things you talked about when you go into fight or flight, mm-hmm. we would start to teach the students that when you, when you feel these things shift in your body, know that you may start to go into operating out of the reptilian brain and you can stop that. We called it flip your lid. Don't mm-hmm. flip your lid. Don't op- go back from the neocortex to the base of your brain. Know this. That was very powerful for them to know because then it didn't seem like it was something that was happening outside of them, to them, that they were doing it themselves. And if they realized they were doing it themselves, they had power over it to stop it before they flipped their lid and start operating from that base of the brain. So you believe there's power power in knowing these patterns from a young age and being oh, taught absolutely. these things and how to self-regulate? Yes. So why 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 wasn't I taught this in school? Why why wasn't cuz when you're talking about social work, is it seemed like it seemed like you helped the kids who seemed like they had issues. But every single kid in there had issues. It just maybe wasn't um acting out in a certain way, but every single one of them, I'm sure, had some stuff where they need to learn how to uh, how to regulate their nervous system. It's about resources. Mm-hmm. It's about having people in the school that can educate the population at large. And fortunately, I worked at a school where we addressed the entire student body. I had my special education students but I also worked with the general education population, which was the the school at large. And we went from classroom to classroom teaching this on a regular basis. And that was your that was Mr. Updale's school? Yeah. Hope so of how, Detroit. So how did And they still do that. So he found that out? No, you know, in the social work department, we bring these things to mm-hmm. people's awareness and we're the ones that instigate, you know, put these on. He just knows, I want all my students to have some type of social, emotional support. Mm. And so then we bring that, but not only that, but then we educate the teachers about what's happening to the student from a brain standpoint, and that they don't go into fight or flight to address a student that is in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. The same way you talked about relationships, uh, we were going to bring in relationships. That's the same thing that we would do in a relationship. When you see your loved one go into fight or flight, you don't go into fight or flight to address them. Right. You know, and that's how. But, that, but that's an easier statement said because, again, we say you don't go into fight or flight. Remember, these are instinctual. So if there's enough ammo underneath my surface and I'm triggered, your going to the fight or flight triggers my going to fight or flight. Then what? What can we do at that point? We're both uh, trauma bombing at that point. Okay, so you said a little while ago that there are degrees. Mm-hmm. There are many layers and degrees. And when you become more aware of yourself, again, just like when we taught the students, hey, when you see that, when you feel in your body a shift, 
and you can tell that your breathing is uh, heavier or it's sped up or you can feel tenseness, take a step back. Mm. The same way in relationships, and that's why relationships don't work when people haven't done the work because they're mm. both acting like reptiles. Yeah. You know, because they're operating from the base of the brain. Someone has to be more self-aware. And so each individual has to get to that point. Otherwise, you'll continue to have that same type of relationship that you have with your children because children can trigger you as a parent. They can trigger each other as siblings. We see that a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Siblings fighting, even as grown people. Right. Killing one another, injuring one another. You have the same situation on your job, in your community. How many people died in Chicago? Whole communities are killing one another. They're just all in fight or flight. Or freeze. Or freeze. And they're not, no one's taking its awareness. So when you get to that level of awareness that, wait a minute, how am I operating? I'm feeling a shift. You won't want to live in that community anymore. Right. Well, because, again, if you're coming out of those patterns, what pattern are you going into? Ventral. Yeah, you're, you're going, going into a so more balanced. Social engagement. So, social so engagement. when you're in social engagement, you're looking at that like, man, this is madness. Right. I ain't trying to be in this madness. Right. Same thing with relation. I'm like, look, look, you, you're, your system, and when we used to do brain maps, and obviously look at these people's brain maps, and again, what we saw was fight, flight, freeze, mm -hmm. and I would see some people's brain maps, and I'm like, man, this brain, this nervous system is chaotic. Right. And it's chaotic not because something's wrong with them. No, something is right with them when the brain was trying to protect itself from the chaos it was in. Right. Let's talk about um, ACES and really because they're both kind of connected. The adverse childhood experiences and and fight, flight, freeze, defense mechanisms are both really, they're both connected. So you can you break down what ACES is for yeah, us? The adverse childhood experience study came out of the 90s, and I have some notes here I'll review too with you, came out of the 90s. Uh, with the Kaiser Permente group out in California. And they did a longitudinal study, which means a long-term study where they, their participants were people in their 50s, mostly Caucasian and middle-class people. And they uh, had them fill out a questionnaire. I think it's 10 questions here. And I will just very briefly go over a couple of them. And one of them was uh, that you had a parent that was uh, incarcerated. And for all of these 10 questions, you wrote down yes or no, and then you, were, you had a score at the end. So the higher your score meant that it correlated with some mental issues mm -hmm. that you would have later on in your life. And what they found is that... Um, let me back up. There were 17, actually 17,000 residents uh, from San Diego. Mm -hmm. And um, they were asked whether they had experienced different types of abuse, neglect, as well as um, 
five types of dysfunction with their parents. And the study uh, was a link between childhood trauma and um, the adult onset of chronic diseases, which you were talking about how it affects our body, right? Mm -hmm. And they found that um, two-thirds of the adults in the study had experienced one or more types of adverse childhood experiences. I actually don't know how you can get out of this world without experiencing something, you know. But they had pinpointed um, 10 questions and we can share those questions, you know. But isn't that, it so much not so much just about if you experience a trauma, but if you've been able to regulate it from from it? Because one thing to ask is, have you experienced it? And obviously, it shows you that when they've had those these illnesses, these mm-hmm. chronic illnesses, if you've had so many, what's the score of ACEs? Like four or more? If you yes. had it. If you mm-hmm. had any four four or more ACEs, you had what? You developed some type of chronic illness? Yeah, I'm going to go through that okay. in just a minute. Okay. So, but that's a that shows you, you have not been able to regulate from it if you've developed these chronic illnesses. And that's very important to bring out because most of us haven't. Right. And it's affecting us individually in our relationships and how we, in our social gatherings, mm-hmm. you know, with our families and in the community. And it's affecting us, you know. Well, and and that correlation, uh, people wouldn't even understand the correlation was happening with COVID and and this what we're talking about childhood trauma. And the reason is because again, if you're stuck in fight or flight, if you're stuck in freeze, two things that happen is the immune system is suppressed. The immune right. system is going to use this, the body's going to use its resources for survival, not for you know, fighting viruses and internal threats. Mm-hmm. It's using its resources towards them. I'm not going to get my ass beat by my daddy or something like right. that. You know, exactly. Like, like, so when you start looking at, first thing they start saying when COVID came around was like, oh, it's affecting people with pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. So if you have a pre-existing condition, well, what is the pre-existing condition? Oh, go look at those chronic illnesses from right. childhood trauma. That your body is still trying to fight off. It, it's not that your body's trying to fight off. It's just your body's dysregulated and all its resources is all mm-hmm. just, they're all just, they're not used properly. That's why I tell people who come to Inception to get your resources back, right. meaning regulate your nervous system mm-hmm. and start to get your actual internal resources back so your body's not fighting threats that aren't even in front of you anymore. Right. So go ahead and explain the ones you're okay, talking about. Okay, so it said that a woman having just one adverse childhood experience uh, boosted her risk for depression by 50%. Just one. 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 So, okay, let's go back into what is one. What is one childhood experience that negatively? What is one? It, From the questionnaire, what is one? It could be... Um, did a parent or other adult in the household uh, push, grab, slap, or throw something at you? That's all of black people. <laughs> <laughs> y'all better not ever tell me y'all ain't never had no trauma, man. That's Listen. I mean, that's all of that's the, all the of black entire people. world. I mean, specifically black people. Back up. I did not slap. 
I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying me. I'm just saying in general. I might have pushed you and said, boy, go somewhere I mean, and sit down. Okay. <laughs> Read that one again. What's it? Said, Say that again. <laughs> did a parent or other adult in the household, often or very often, okay, push, grab, slap, or throw something at you? Okay, so that's... Or, either, or ever hit you so hard that it made marks where you were injured. Okay, so that's one. So what? So that's, so if you've had that happen, that's go, go, go back to this. If you've had that happen, what she just read, then the risk of depression increases by 50%? Yes. Okay. For women with just one. And you know how many black people are depressed, first of all. <laughs> so that's one. So what's the next one? Okay. Um, oh, here's one. Did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Man, if you again, if you go ask a lot of black people growing up, they're going to answer uh, what? Yes to that question. Did you often feel that no one in your family loved you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of a lot of black people will say yes to that. So what so what's the what's the next risk from going on two, three, four, five adverse yeses? Now this is for your mom. Okay. Um, was your mother or caregiver or stepmother often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had someone thrown had something thrown at her? So it's so about just observing yes. your your mother. Right. Cause I mean that that's a horrific thing to see your mom uh, abused in any way. And you're like, a child, like, and you're, you're a vulnerable. child. You know, and that's a lot of. I would have so, I would have so much anger, right? And you to see that because you, 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 you feel, feel powerless. Let's go back into our chart, <laughs> our polyvagal chart of freeze. You have a sense of helplessness unless unless you fighting that person. If yeah. you're not fighting that person, you're in in your body feeling what disassociated and immobilized. You can't go do anything. Okay, quick story. So I had a high school student who had, his mother had a boyfriend that lived with them. Mm. And the boyfriend would abuse the mother. And they would have to go, him and his siblings would have to go outside and stand on the sidewalk while they heard it in the house taking Mm. place. Their Mm. mother screaming and yelling. And then when it was done, the boyfriend would have them come in the house and clean up. No, I would go in the house and the boyfriend would be dead. So I asked him, I said, you have a lot of anger. Mm. And I said, I bet you have so much anger that your anger could light up the entire city of Detroit. And he said, no, the entire state of Michigan. Mm. That's how much anger he had. He felt powerless because his mother kept this boyfriend around. And then the ultimate happened. She got pregnant mm. by the boyfriend. So he just saw that he had no no, no authority, no choice. He just had to go along with this. And so he just started acting out and doing things that made him feel powerful, which was what? He joined a gang. Mm. 
and start terrorizing other people because he couldn't terrorize yeah. the booyfriend. So you joined a gang and you never terrorized a, you You didn't go back and bring your homies to terrorize that guy? Uh, yeah, thank you. But you see, he was operating from a child level. Mm. You know, he was in high school. This boyfriend <laughs> had been around for years. So in his mind, he's still little. Yeah. You know, so that man to him was still more powerful than him. But sometimes men do grow up and they tell the man of the house, you're never going to lay your hands on my mother again because mm-hmm. they've grown taller than, you know, mm-hmm. that person or whatever. You're never going to lay your, your hands on that man again, but on my mother again. But then the mother says, get out. Right. I know many instances yeah, where the, the mom mother, put the son right. out. For the boyfriend. So let's talk about that for a second in terms of um, <clears throat> people being uh, okay with like they they've all they've normalized like their lack of safety. That's a defense that keeps us alive. Mm. The lack of safety, not being uh, safe. Maybe again being in freeze and you you so again normalizing it yeah. normalize it's okay I stepped over a dead body on my way to school oh well that happens all the time what? I heard some gunshots okay I'll just get on the floor you are normalizing it but you are not well okay let's stop there and then <laughs> if we keep talking about these layers I'm telling you because when we start. When you start to really understand this stuff, you can start to look at mental health on the world level. And as a black person, you should be able to look at mental health on a on a level when we talk about slavery. Like you need to be able to decode and see we aren't well collectively. No. Because we've been, again... What's the adverse? Read one of those things again from the adverse child effect. What does it say? You talking about uh, one of those questions? And these are white people. First of all, again, it's, these are white people in this study. Here's one. Did you live with anyone who was, who was a problem drinker mm-hmm. or alcoholic or who used street drugs? Most of our families grew up, they were alcoholics. I mean, we all were... That's normalized. Yeah, we normalized that. Like, we yeah. are, like you know, you go slavery, 400 years of oppression, our people could not be happy. You seen right. our people killed, murdered. So you just described something about the, the, the kid seeing his, his mother abused, had to go out on the street... Well, what about us having to see our ancestors beat, maimed, and everything under the sun, right? And so now, when we say, hey, man, you know what? White folks, you're not going to do this to us no more. And then the black folk tell you, you got to go. Same way how you described it, you know? Same how you just described it. Mm -hmm. That thing happens like that, too. You're trying to, like, we've normalized uh, being uh, abused. abused. And so now the narcissist, the, the white narcissist system, whatever whatever terms you want to call it, we have Stockholm Syndrome with them. 
Yes. They, 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 we love our oppressor. They can keep doing more and more, but we'll keep asking them from the, to help us, too. Can you give us some reparations? Right. Like, that'd be great if they did. But, I mean, do you, at what point do you going to keep asking the people who beating your ass to give me something? I'm sorry to say right. it like that, but that's just, that's just true. You know, and it just shows you that we're talking about we're talking about some deep psychological, not just psychological, physio, neurophysiological trauma and programming that goes from generation to generation, and and you are asking something in t- externally. You're saying, "Help! You help me. I don't even care if you beat me. I'm looking to you to help me." Mm. When you have all the resources within you to help yourself, listen, your your body, it knows what to do to help you survive. It knows what to do, I mean, to survive like in a, in a traumatic incident, but it also knows how to be in a relaxed state. But we keep fighting that. We don't want to be relaxed. We keep going back into that pattern mm-hmm. because we're stuck there and we keep looking for something externally out of us outside of us to save us. And we think we we think we're doing some real work now cuz we we breaking some generational uh uh generational curses cuz we getting some money now, ma. We yeah. getting some money. We getting some crypto. We passing down some real estate. And what good is having money if you're depressed? If you're an alcoholic and you can't stop drinking or you're using all the money to do drugs. Or you're raising, you're raising. So now that too, here's another thing that I've seen. Because you may, and you you may not have an awareness of all of this, but you're going to shield your kids from any type of trauma. They never going to experience trauma in their life. They never going to have to raise a finger. They can do whatever they want to do in their life. So now their nervous system is just as bad as the person who's oppressing you. You've seen some people who we've been oppressed yeah. by in that nervous system. And now you've got all that generational wealth and you passed it down to some some people who have zero resiliency. We've gone through everything and we should have a lot of resiliency. But now you passed it down to some people where their nervous system is cotton candy. And you <laughs> passed down all your generational wealth. Cotton candy. And guess what? After the the after you've gone. That gener- you going right back into the generational curse because they squandered it. How many people? How many people? We talked about this day. How many people you know you seen where they passed down the house was big mind them and passed down the house and they can't even pay the the, the light bill. Can't the, pay the light the mortgage. bill. Mortgage. Not even a mortgage. They can't even pay the city taxes. The yearly city taxes in the city of Detroit and for some homes is only a thousand dollars. Or they can't pay the light bill. Right. When they were given a house. Because they were given something materialistically, but not something that would really affect them from an innate standpoint that would help them from their social emotional standpoint, from the emotional standpoint, I should say. So let's And their talk. body is not regulated. Like what you said, no. the body is not regulated. It's in fight or flight. So they can't pay or the freeze. light or freeze because they can't pay the light bill because they're too busy. I know this. They're doing drugs in the house. They're trying to regulate their nervous system, and they're focusing on regulating their nervous system through drugs or whatever, and the lights get shut off. Mm. That's why they can't keep the house. Right. 
That's why I named the podcast Inner Wealth and people missed it. The inner wealth is about your internal resources. So when you're in fight or flight, again, blood pressure, heart rate, adrenaline, pupils, blood clotting, defense responses, um, fuel storage decrease, digestion decrease, um, relational ability decreases, immune response decreases. This is your damn real resources in life. You don't yeah. have any other resources outside what's, what's already inside of you. Everything else is just a, a, a man-made thing. Right. It don't even exist. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. It don't even exist. And you just keep chasing after it. People were talking about money. Who made money? Who made money? Because money didn't make itself. Money was right. a concept. Yes. Money is a external resources. The internal resource made the external resources. So everything we talking about, we keep talking about these patterns. We're talking about these patterns because, again, this is where the kingdom is. This is where the riches is. All the internal resources are inside, inside of, of you. you. And you have to get back to understand this, to do that work, to free this up to now you got your real resources. Unlimited, infinite resources are available to you at all times. Creativity. All your creativity. You can't. Why you think you're, you're smoking so much weed in the studio? Because you can't think. Why you can't think? Why you can't pull down from the consciousness? Because you're stuck. What about your imagination? Wow. Unlimited. And many people don't have that. But we'll sit and we'll watch all these shows and be, be entertained by all this external stuff. And when, we want to copy. We want to copy what other people are doing. And the big one for me is intuition. That's a really big one. I tap into my intuition mm -hmm. all the time. Actually, I've been tapping into my intuition the whole time we've been sitting here. Just mm -hmm. letting it flow through me to be with you. Yeah. Like my intuition is saying, now say this. Now say that. Absolutely. Now tell that story. What's the two letters of intuition? N. I N. What's the two letters of inception? I N. What's the two letters of inner wealth? I N. It's all inner. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's inward. I know some people are like, I didn't know that. Right. I so, just had an aha moment. It's just in. Go it's in. in. It's in. And I, now I really, I, I take that, I take that concept and used to hear those things in spiritual terms. But now I take, I take that like super literal. Yes. Literally. Literal. Like all the it's cells in. in your body. Let me talk to my little cells on my body. Uh, thank you. You know, I talk to my, my vital organs and all my cells a lot. And I say, I love you so much. My heart, my lungs. It's my... the only thing that's keeping you alive. Thank you. It's the only thing that ever truly I'm cared like, about you. I sit down <laughs> and I be with my inner self. If there's no such thing, you know, when you're talking about unconditional love, man, your body unconditionally loves you. Because the amount oh of crap that goodness. we've been putting on it or in it and Preach, brother, preach. It, Preach. Like, like, that's the only thing that could ever, you can ever truly say that unconditionally loved you. You are trashing your body with all them Popeye's chicken sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got a line you around the corner trashing, for that. trashing your body with all those shows you watch and bombarding yourself with all this 
stupid stuff that's trying to persuade you, buy me, be like me. I'm happy. No, you're not. You're screwed up. You got issues in your tissues. <laughs> yeah, you got issues. And I and um what was I about to say? Um yeah, business wise, <laughs> like they they saying we got shortages, right? These shortages of shipping and stuff like that. I'm like, good. Cause y'all don't need that crap anyway. Cause most <laughs> of the stuff we buying is garbage. It most is. of the business stuff out there, I ain't gonna lie to you. And I'm not hating on nobody's stuff, but most of the stuff we come up with, and you've heard me say this before, the market needed to regulate itself because most of the stuff we have is trash. Like you go into the, you go into a store or whatever, and you go up front, and they 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 situationally put the stuff there so that when you at the checkout line, you can look at all this trash oh. up front to buy this cheap little trash so they can add to That's their true. bottom line. Like, it's just most of it is trash. I went to a store the other day. I won't tell you what that store was, but I went to a store the other day, and I had $5 off. It gave me $5. And I went to the store, and I said, I'm only going to spend $5 because, you know, they bait you to get in, so you'll spend $10. <laughs> mm-hmm. I went exactly to the thing I wanted and walked out. I didn't spend one dime. They gave me $5, and that's what I did. But... I, all that stuff you talked about, mm-hmm. it snaked all the way around. Mm-hmm. I had to go through three aisles, three sections to get to the cashier to get checked right. out. They, they do that for a reason because that's going to increase exactly. their bottom line. But that, I'm a Jedi. You ain't, you know, I'm a business guy. So you ain't getting over on me with that. Like, oh, I, I need a Kit Kat. It's right here. <laughs> like, and you know why I know it's all trash? Because guess where it ends up? In the trash. In the trash. Go look at our trash landfills and you're going to find that most of the stuff that you bought on all little little trinkets and little garbage is trash. And incidentally, that's why we don't have paper brochures. We don't want it in the trash. We want no. you to look at what we have and view it in a way where it's not thrown away, not contributing to the landfill. So I've been living through a lens of my life for the last, I want to say, 15 years. And every every it gets deeper and deeper. That level, that understanding widens. And it started, really honest, honestly, my, and I won't say it started, but it deepened when I understood the fight, flight, freeze response. It, mm-hmm. it got so How it much. How correlated. Because the, mo- the first time I ever did brain training, I, I didn't even want a car anymore. I lost the desire for a car. Oh, don't and talk you, about losing attack. And you know how that is for black men. Like I know. Our like whole self esteem used to be wrapped up in cars. I, I know. Mean, I don't know how it is for them now. My my, I, I gave my car. <laughs> I turned my car in. I ain't had a car in it going on two years now. So it really ain't there for me. Right. So, um, but that understanding these patterns, um, really, I think they deepen your relationship. They give you access back. Understanding, you start to learn about your true resources internally. Um, you start to look at it from a medical standpoint, understanding that all these chronic health conditions that people have, these are all just defense mechanisms of your body not being able to adapt because you you are under siege. Literally under siege. Bombarded. And you've been at under siege Either go back to ask ask some of these questions for the adverse childhood childhood. Yeah. And for black people, it ain't starting our childhood. It started pre-childhood before. Generations before. Yeah. Right. Generations before. 
Right. So the diabetes that run in your family is because really don't nobody run in your family. <laughs> like literally get out and run. Yeah. Exercise. Like epigenetics, because everybody used to think that we, well, because this, and sometimes it does run in your family in terms of actual genetics, but, you know, when you start looking at uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton's work and epigenetics, it's, it's like 10% of stuff is typically genetic. And I... I know people that use it as an excuse. Well, it runs in my family, so I can eat what I want to eat because I'm going to get it anyway. Is that what they think? Yes. I'm going to get it anyway, so I might as well just yeah, get well, it. Yeah, well, you know, it's I don't have anything to do with it. Right. My I, People act, like, powerless. Like, there, I didn't do anything. Well, there has to be something for us specifically where, uh, because, one, we didn't have power for so long that—, that thinking that we have power feels bad. Like, believe, believing that we have our own personal power, even when, when people start to identify their own God power, people are, I ain't, I, ain't got no, I ain't got no power. It's all the Lord. It ain't nothing to do with me. It's like... <laughs> you, the Lord is in you. Like, but no, no, God is in no, you. no, 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 mm, 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 mm. that's him. That ain't me. I ain't got no power. I'm just so meek. I ain't well, got nothing. They... I thought Jesus said my father and I are one. Mm. And my father and I are one. Mm. I have a lot of power. Mm. Because I, 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 where is it? Right. If it's not within me, where is it? And I thought the least amongst you was supposed to do greater Yes. The, the least. Are you talking about who's the least? Who is the least of us? The meth head? The, he even got, he's saying the least of you got we, more. We have, we all have power within us. But it's too much noise out there mm. that we're paying attention to and not looking inward and we continually look outward. But that think that don't you think that this goes back down to the programming though? Because when you're stuck in this, when you're stuck in these cycles, what we're saying to a lot of people, again, these patterns are instinctual, and then ninety-eight percent of your consciousness is subconscious, meaning yes. it's outside of your awareness and your ability. That's why you have to wake up to self. That's why therapy and everybody talking about therapy is like, well, therapy is about shining the light on your own consciousness so you can see yourself. And right. once you see yourself, that's just half the battle. Right. Okay, you see yourself. Now what? If you don't have the ability to self-correct, you just see yourself. Right. I actually, uh, some years ago, when I started uh, going deeper into that process, I started really looking at how I was programmed. Mm. You know, just it was always that thought was uh, how was I programmed throughout the day when I would get involved in a situation? Well, what was I programmed to think about this? Or what was I programmed to think about myself in this situation? Mm. And so I had to go back and look at, well, how was I programmed? What, what did that program do to me? Or how did it affect me? And what do I need to change? It's our, it's. How I pro how I was programmed is that true? Are those some of those beliefs I have are they true? For mm -hmm. one, being a black person, you know, mm -hmm. you don't deserve anything. You know, you got to work harder than other people. You know, all those things that kept you down. Mm -hmm. 
I had to go back and say, that's not true. You know, first and foremost, I happen to have brown skin. Okay. So am I going to allow other people to limit me or is this self-limiting? Yeah. So it does become a self-limiting belief. Yes. Because we're told you don't deserve to drink out of the same fountain. Right. Or you can't stay in the same place. So I had to go deeper and deeper into who am I really. Mm -hmm. And I'm none of those things. Right. You know, and so I, I live my life differently. Like, I belong everywhere. I'm a child of God, period. I am God who has manifested a little bit of himself in me. And that is how I try to live my life. So it doesn't matter who comes through the door. I'm still operating from that standpoint, not, oh, um, I need to diminish myself because now I'm around this group of people that's a certain culture that don't feel I deserve to have something or shouldn't be in this restaurant. Or I have found that place within me that is transcends beyond what the world says I should be, what I should look like, what I should dress like, what I should act like, what I should have. So as you look at those, um, <clears throat> read those questions on that adverse childhood experience, and you can add up your own score, and you had to overcome that score. How did, right. you, how did you overcome that score? Becoming more self-aware of knowing, of getting to know the truth that, number one, we've been talking about this now for uh, over 30 minutes. My body went into a state to help me survive. That's a good thing. But I don't have to stay there. Mm -hmm. You become educated on how your body responds and how that response may still be affecting you to this day. Right. But you can come out of that. Mm. And it's very simple. It's not complicated. We make it complicated because we keep getting distracted from what the truth is. We said it already many times. The truth is the power is within us. And I'm not talking about an egotistical power. I'm this and I'm that. It's a quiet, peaceful place where you feel good. I call it my sweet spot. You feel good about yourself. It's about you continuously raising your level of awareness about who you really are. Mm. So that's how I overcome it, overcame it. Uh, personal development, keeping my eye on the prize of wanting to know more and more and more about myself. How many people know about themselves? What do they like about themselves? And I'm not talking about, well, I like my eyebrows or my hair. What do you like about yourself as far as characteristics? I th- and pe- I think people will end up saying what they like about what they've been conditioned to like. Yeah, or what they have. Well, again, what you've been conditioned to like. Yeah. Because you like something because somebody told you they liked it about you so many times. Like, what have you literally yeah. learned to develop in yourself that you can say, like, for me, I know I, I like my ability to, to, to be by myself. Me too. 
I love that ability that is about freedom. myself. Yeah. That is true freedom. Mm. So just like if you think about in grade school, where everybody likes this type of like with uh, men, every like everybody likes this type of action toy. Mm-hmm. So I should like that too. For Christmas, my I want that type of action toy. You may not even like it. So right. one of the things I realized too, and this is a very key point that I that I really learned. How does my body feel? And that may take a while for you to go through that. Like, like for example, David, you may like a certain car, and I'd be like, "Well, I don't, I'm not resonating with that." You know, how do I feel about this thing? I I really don't. I saw a movie the other day. It had a, a really large mansion. And I always said, I would never want to live in that house. I don't resonate with that. I don't want all of those rooms. That's kind of scary to me. Too mm-hmm. much upkeep. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you feel? Right. You like roller coasters. I hate them. I'm traumatized by roller coasters. Mm-hmm. So, but <clears throat> even in your relationships, Hugo, Girl, you know, you you left that, you know, or you don't want that. You know, a man that's got a car and a home or whatever, but you don't resonate with him. But you can force yourself to resonate because society says that's what you should want. Right. And then you end up being miserable and right. wondering why aren't you happy? Mm-hmm. Or you keep up with the Joneses. You move mm-hmm. into a certain neighborhood because that's status. But what if you want a small little... Tiny house. Yeah. You don't want all of that. What do you resonate with? What do you resonate with? But if your body is in a state of fight or flight, you can't how can that. you get to that point mm-hmm. of knowing? Yeah. It's seized up trying to regulate being in fight or flight. Right. Because you ask so many people, what do you want? They say, I don't know. How do you feel? I don't know. I used to hear that all the time from the clients. How you feel? Um, I don't know. Like, how don't you know what you feel? Because they haven't felt in so long. Right. And the the reason why you got this suit is to feel. That, right. That's the whole thing. It's a sensory suit. It's all about feeling. So let's talk about that very quickly. People don't want to feel a range of emotion. So they shut down, just like I want to tell our students, my students that I work with. You have a range of emotions. You feel anger. It's a. It's letting you know something. Somebody slap your face, you're going to feel angry. Okay, so you may need to do something about that. Move, Remove yourself or whatever you feel you need to do. There's a range of emotions, but we just want to feel happy. We don't want to feel the other emotions, sadness, grief. Oh, my gosh, so many people are stuck in their grief mode, unresolved grief. They haven't grieved people that died 30 years ago. Mm. They haven't fully let go and grieved that. Trust me, grieve. You're not going to die. You're just going to grieve. And that doesn't Mm. feel good, but you need to get through that to get to the other side. Right. So... You can't just feel happy. You have to feel frustrated, irritated, agitated. All of those things are just a guidepost of what's going on in my life and what do I need 
to do to change? Or do I need to accept this situation I'm in right now? And while I am accepting this, because I've had been in situations like that where I've been on jobs where I couldn't leave at that moment, and I had to accept it. So guess what? I still did the best job I can do because I was honoring myself. You know, like people going, I don't like this job. I'm just going to do as little as possible. Well, I'm honoring myself of being the best I can be regardless. And then I have it in my mind, but I want to move on. And then I wait for that door to open. And it always did. If you just be patient and you just work with your feelings. So if I have to accept this situation right now, what can I do to buffer this? Because I remember when you were down in Florida and you were working at that horrible job. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember this. I said, well, what can you do to balance that out? Because you have to work to eat and to pay Mm -hmm. your rent. So what are some things you can do after work in the meantime to provide some relief from that until the next opportunity comes? Mm -hmm. That's been my tactic. Right. And it's always worked. Because what you resist persists. Right. You being in a state of resistance, I hate this and going through all of that. You can have a pity party. I'm going to even allow yourself to have a pity party for five minutes. I'm going to have a pity party. I hate this situation, blah, 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 blah. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to move on because the key is to feel good. Always move towards the state of I want to feel better, but I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. So at the present moment, I can't change this situation. What can I do to feel better? I had written on a card affirmations. I read my affirmations. Or sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. So I also wrote on my card some things that I need to do to bring myself out of that. You know, for me, it would be um, I'm a um, find a word person. Put my brain on some, my mind on something else. Put your mind on something else. Go exercise. Move out. Of, move yourself around so that physiologically you can come out of that state. Mm-hmm. You know. So if you can't leave the situation, find out what you can do to buffer it. But keep your eye on the prize of. But a change is going to come because I want it to, and that's my intention, and I'm putting that out there. And I'm going to be ready for when it comes. When you're in a state of fight or flight, you can have all the opportunities in the world facing you, but you can't see them because mm-hmm. you're you're tensed up. Well, your neocortex is shut down. Your neocortex is. You're always in fight, flight. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You you won't see opportunity. You're going to just see threat. Right. Even if it's the best thing that can ever happen to you. And they call that, uh, Peter Levine calls that um, coupling. So you have people who are, uh, they've coupled, you know, things that should seem like it's dangerous, you're running towards. And the things that are, that, that seem like they're safe, you're running away from. You know, and that's, that's, that's how the brain starts to couple things incorrectly. And people do that all the time. You see it in relationships. People... You know, women or men running towards the wrong type of partner. You should be running towards safety, but you can't run towards safety. You have to become safety. Right. You have to become that own your your own safety. So if you're in a state of fight or flight, 
that's an energy that you are emitting. Mm-hmm. So guess what? You're going to attract. You're going to attract that energy. You're going to yeah. attract that energy. And you may, but you may attract that energy. You, you typically those fight or flight people attracted the freezy energy. Yeah, they can. Because that because it, it keeps them. You know, they get the poured out that energy on that person. That person just absorbs it. Yeah. You know. Right. So I've seen that in relationships. So, well, that's that's the overall uh, theme of this this whole podcast is understanding again our patterns, understanding how they affect us, understanding the health implications of them, um, understanding just the overall life uh, theme of it. Right. Like I just look at all these things now. It's just this is one big uh, algorithm that we're looking at. All these patterns, you just keep breaking down pattern after pattern. This pattern mm-hmm. creates this, and this creates that, and this does this, and this does that. And if you can have that awareness and see these patterns, and you start to be like Neo on the Matrix, when he starts right. seeing all the code, yes. when he starts seeing all the code and seeing it for what it was, he was able to start to break the code. So he went from dodging bullets to just understanding Do- yes. that. They weren't even bullets to begin with. That's right. And that's where a lot of our threats now in society, they're not even real threats. They're not even real. They're just per- perceived threats. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Till next time, guys. La, 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 You've been la, listening la, to the In the Wealth Podcast la, on EYL. La, 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 la. Get out the matrix Theme song produced by Be Ready for West Coast Creations. I am Razcast, reminding you to take action, be proactive, be congruent, get out of the matrix, get your mind right. We've automated mental health at inception. Join the movement. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.